So the reading tonight is taken from John uh, chapter 15, verse 18 to 16, verse 15. So starting at verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I've told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the word of the Lord. Cool. Good evening, church. Evening. Um, That's quite a meaty passage, so let's pray, shall we? 
Yeah, Lord, thank you for these words. Thank you for, um, yeah, that piece of scripture. Lord, help us to hear your word tonight and hear you speak to us. Lord, speak through me um, and help me to glorify you. Amen. Amen. I needed that. (laughs) Cool. I wonder if, if you have a faith, I wonder where you notice who you're called to be by Jesus. Where do you notice that? in your life? And where do you notice that who you're called to be by Jesus contrasts with with what the world expects you to be? Where are the tensions? Where is being a Christian difficult? And if you wouldn't say that you know Jesus, where do you notice your friends who do know him acting unusually compared to everyone else? Where is it obvious that their lives are centered on something else. Perhaps you can answer those questions easily, but I think for many of us, the questions, they bring a challenge. When does our faith confuse the world? When does our relationship with Jesus show something that brings hope, freedom, and love where it otherwise may not be? I want to focus on the word holy. That word holy, it means to be set apart, to be different. And that's what we start to be when we become followers of Jesus. People who live differently, they're set apart. So if the world doesn't look at us and see people who are set apart, then that's something for us to become. Now discipleship, that's becoming like Jesus, becoming holy. Peter tells us to be holy because he is holy. Be holy because Jesus is holy. And I wonder if that sounds a bit like when your parents say, you know, because I said so, or like because I told you so. But, but actually this makes sense. Jesus isn't telling us to do anything that he hasn't done. He's not telling us to be anything that he isn't already. We are to become holy, to become like him. Now, that's not to become a first century rabbi, but it's living how Jesus would live if he were you. How would he treat people if he were you? How would he love people if he were you? In your context, in the job you've been called to, in the relationships you have, how would he live if he was you? And as we look to Jesus' life, we see this perfect example of holiness, straying away from the crowd, loving the unloved, standing up for justice, walking so closely with the Father. We've been created to become like Jesus and to grow in that holiness, to live in the world, but to live for Jesus, pointing to him and his goodness and his kindness and his faithfulness and his love. We're called to point to God as the truth in a world where I think people are looking for a foundation, looking for something to base their lives on. So when we hear those around us asking, what's the point of all of this? Or asking what we're made for? or how to find meaning, or how to find fulfillment, we point to the truth of God. 
And I imagine, and also I kind of hope, that I'm not the only one here who finds it difficult to live a life that points to the truth of Jesus in the world that we're in. There's difficulty in being different. Being set apart isn't meant to be easy. There's difficulty in being different. And that's where we come to in this passage. Jesus is talking about how the world hated him. The world hated him first. So then if we are like him, it's likely the world will hate us too. But it's worth recognizing the ways that we are able to meet together and worship and talk about Christianity and our faith in this country. I don't want to lose that. It's something to be thankful for when we see countries where this would just never, ever be possible. So despite that kind of obvious difference, and while recognizing our safety as Christians here, I think there's still a real tension between the world and between Christianity. The world, the world wants us, it wants us to belong to it, like it said in the passage. It pulls us to value what it values, whether that's success or power or money or popularity or whatever it is. It pulls us to value what it values. And if we do value those things, the world, it loves us. And we become the world's. The world tells us that these things are the ways to be fulfilled. They're the ways to experience life. But friends, that's, that's lies. That's lies. But in amongst those lies that the world can show us, Jesus gives us a spirit of truth. And this is how the world changes. That's how the world gets pointed to Jesus as a way of life and as a way to life. It's this spirit of truth. And in these verses that Rosie read for us, Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he leaves to be back with the Father. This conversation is before Jesus' death and resurrection, which the disciples also completely struggle to come to terms with, understandably so, I think. But let's imagine the scenario of our passage for a second. Someone you've been living alongside and journeying with and learning from is just going to leave. And also, he's the son of God, so like, I feel like they'll be quite attached, you know? You'd want them to stay. So even after Jesus is killed and comes back to life, the disciples still have to be without him physically. And we learn that the disciples are filled with grief, but actually that they will gain so much by what Jesus leaves with them. He makes that promise that when he goes, the advocate will come, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, the spirit of truth. Now we've been created to be in the world, not of the world. And Tom Wright puts it like this. He's a fancy theologian. Sometimes he's called NT. Don't know why he does that. Um, he puts it like this. Followers of Jesus are not from the world. Like Jesus' own kingdom, they are for the world. Sent into it as Jesus was to bear witness to God's love, and to bring about his victory. 
but they are not from the world. To be set apart is difficult. Showing the world the truth of Jesus isn't an easy calling on our lives, but this spirit of truth is a gift to us, and it walks alongside us as we do it. The spirit of truth, it holds truth in a world of lies. Jesus says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit will testify about Jesus. That's how we know the truth of who Jesus is. Now Jesus, he goes on to explain to the disciples the difficulties that are going to come their way because of their faith because of who they belong to, because they don't belong to the world anymore, because they belong to Jesus. Difficult stuff is going to come. But the the message is still that the Spirit will sustain, the Spirit will comfort and help and guide. And that same Spirit remains with us to guide us into truth And as we come up to the time of year when we remember Pentecost and we celebrate what happened, we remember when the Spirit fell. And we know that this Spirit is powerful and it points to Jesus. And that's the same Spirit that we can have now. Now Jesus tells us three ways in that passage that the Spirit will work and I believe continues to work now. He says the Spirit is going to prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. I don't know about you, but they seem like quite intense words, don't they? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. But don't be scared. I think this is actually exciting. It's not scary. It's exciting. And so I want to know the truth that this Spirit holds. We're seeing this contrast between the lies of the world and the beautiful spirit of truth. And this truth, it can free you. It freed me. it It can free you. The truth can save you. It saved me. This is the truth of Jesus. So firstly, the spirit will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. I wonder if we get quite caught up in the logistics of sin, like how it works, how bad is too bad, what are the exact rules, like what exactly should I be doing and what shouldn't I be doing. But sin at its core is turning away from Jesus. That's it. What if sin is deeper than the things that we do wrong, like the actual actions? What if it's deeper than that? I'm not convinced that this room is full of awful, awful people who purposefully do wrong to hurt each other. I don't think it's like that. Instead, what if under the surface, sin comes from just a lack of trust? A lack of trust, a lack of knowledge that God really does have a plan for our lives. Could sin actually be rooted in not completely relying on Jesus? not fully knowing that he really is the way to life in all its fullness. 
That's why we try everything else. And so here is where the spirit works. The world is the way it is because it doesn't see Jesus. It doesn't know Jesus. And I'm the way I am sometimes because sometimes I don't see Jesus fully. We're the way we are sometimes because we don't fully see Jesus. Instead, we see the lies. The lies that tell us to go it alone, that we should be in charge, that Jesus is irrelevant or unreliable and not actually there for us. But the spirit of truth can pull us closer to Jesus and we're able to see him as the perfect center of our lives. The spirit can show us how we can rely on him. It calls us to trust in him. It tells us how to turn to him instead of away, even when the world might be pulling you in another direction. But this might feel hard. But actually, if you want to turn away from sin and turn to Jesus, the first step is just believing in him. And the Spirit helps us do that. The Spirit's on our side, and it will, and I believe is, turning hearts towards Jesus. Perhaps you already believe, but don't we need the Spirit of truth to point us to Jesus again and again and again? Now, secondly, Jesus says that the work of the Spirit is to prove that the world is wrong about righteousness. Jesus going to the Father, like he's telling the disciples is going to happen, him going to the Father shows his righteousness. And the Spirit now continues to show us the righteousness of Jesus. Do we forget the person of Jesus? Do we forget how completely perfect he was? I think when we see the flaws in ourselves and see the flaws in each other, we can't believe that there really was a perfect person, a righteous person, but that's who he was. Compared to the unrighteousness of the world around us, we can look to the righteousness of Jesus. And that shows me that I need Jesus. I can't find what I'm looking for in the world. But the Spirit has helped me to see that Jesus is worthy. And I pray that tonight he does the same for you. The Spirit helps us to see that Jesus is good and is worthy of our praise, of our worship, and of our lives. But it actually gets better. As believers, we take on this righteousness. Jesus' death on the cross allowed us to be right with God. A verse in 2 Corinthians tells us this. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus knew no sin, but he became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. So once we come to God, through what Jesus has done, acknowledge the ways that we've gone it alone and actually say, 
my life is yours. We wear the righteousness of Jesus. Like it's your literal clothes, we wear the righteousness of Jesus. And so that's what God sees when he looks at us. And I, want, I think the Spirit wants to help us understand that tonight. He may want to help you to see what God sees when he looks at you. And lastly, Jesus says that the work of the Spirit is to prove that the world is wrong about judgment. Who already feels nervous because of the word judgment? Me. But don't be. This is a reason to rejoice. This is a reason to rejoice. As we take on the gift of righteousness that Jesus brings, Jesus saves us from condemnation and ultimately from death. We take on his righteousness and we're saved from death, from guilt, and from shame. But there is still that conviction. Perhaps that's a a righteous judgment from a perfect God to us who are less than perfect. But the world is wrong about judgment. Imperfect people call out the imperfections in others. Judgment from someone else comes from an already guilty person but not from God. The world's got it wrong and God's got it right. From God, it's done in line with his character, in love, from a place of complete holiness. I wonder if God convicts us not to call us, call us out like another human might, but actually to call us into something better. Let me say that again so that it settles in your heart. God doesn't want to call you out and make you feel rubbish. He wants to call you into something better. To call us to higher because he knows how we should be living. Loving him always and loving others a lot. And the spirit can move in us to do this. It shows us where we need to turn away from other things and turn to him. I'm not saying that feels nice, but it's important, and I believe the Spirit does it. So if you're feeling brave tonight, you can ask the Holy Spirit to convict you out of love to become more like Jesus. You can ask the Holy Spirit to show you places in your life that God God is calling you to hire, to live for him, to live in freedom, and to live in love. Now, if we're followers of Jesus, Jesus, the judgment that leads to death is completely dealt with. So then we can actually allow ourselves to experience that conviction. We don't have to be scared. We can step into it. 1 John 1, verses 8 to 10, say this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The sin is dealt with when we come to Jesus. He forgives 
but he wants us to grow. He wants us to mature in Christ. And that's how we become like Jesus. Our passage talks about the prince of this world. That's Satan, the one who creates the lies of this world. He's been condemned. There's no power there anymore because Jesus won. So now we just become like Jesus more and more every day with no fear of sin, with no fear of judgment. But knowing we can come to God and say, I'm ready and I want to become like Jesus. And again, the Spirit is our helper. The Spirit helps us to do that. I wonder if sometimes it feels like a bit of a bad deal to have Jesus taken away and then you get the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus is physically there. The disciples could like literally talk to him. Then it's, it's changed for this Holy Spirit that, that they can't see anymore. But I just don't think it's a bad deal for Jesus to go and to leave us the Holy Spirit It's a beautiful gift. And the message translation tells us that the Spirit takes us by the hand and guides you into all the truth there is. The Holy Spirit can take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth that there is. We can know Jesus through the Spirit. We can know Jesus through the Holy Spirit that he sent. He didn't go away and leave us with nothing. Through the Spirit, he lives in us and he works in us. The Spirit is real and the Spirit is working. The Spirit has come to prove that the world is wrong about sin, righteousness and judgment. So I have a couple of questions. Is it hard to believe that Jesus is the best way? Is it hard to turn from sin and know that you are free? How do you find taking on Jesus' righteousness? Do you need to know tonight that you are made clean, that you are forgiven? that you are a new creation because of Jesus' death for you. And where do you need to grow? What do you need to be called out of and called into by the Spirit? Or perhaps the world around you feels like it will never see Jesus and the job of sharing Jesus feels too big You feel like the disciples do in that conversation with Jesus. But remember, as Jesus said to them, you have a helper. It's not just us doing this by ourselves and like fumbling along and working it out. The Spirit is working through us to do it. Just because it's not us, though, doesn't mean it's not urgent or it's not important to do God's work in the world. That's not it. 
but it does take the pressure off because the Spirit is the one who has the power because that's the power of Jesus. The Spirit's with us. Our bodies, they're hosts of the Spirit. As Paul writes in Corinthians, a temple of the Spirit. So as we share our stories, as we share who we know Jesus is, he is the one working in our hearts and in the hearts of those that we're talking to. So if that's where you are, if you feel like the job of sharing Jesus is just too big, if that's where you are, let it settle in your heart tonight that the Spirit is the one who does the work. We just need to be obedient to that. As people, as the church, we're navigating how to live out the truth of Jesus today. But the Spirit is a comforter. I love that word for the Spirit, a comforter. He comforts us amongst it all. For those Christians living in severe persecution, the Spirit can be a comforter. How powerful is that? The Spirit is working. It's been working since the very moment Jesus sent it to empower us, to guide us as we live life set apart, becoming like Jesus and belonging to Jesus, not the world, and inviting others to do the same. Church, I would love to pray that the Holy Spirit would be in us tonight. Yeah, Jesus, thank you for the gift of the Spirit. Thank you for the day of Pentecost where it fell and the Spirit's power was shown. Help us to trust in the truth of the Spirit. And Jesus, tonight, if there's people who need to know you more, who need you as a comforter, as a helper, as someone who guides them away from sin and into your arms, away from the things of this world that hurt, and into your presence, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come. May your Holy Spirit fall on them right now. I was listening to um, a podcast and they were talking about yeah, just the amazing work of the Holy Spirit and they just talked about space. We need to give the Spirit space to work. So I'm actually just going to shut up for a couple of minutes. Like no music, no nothing. And I'm just going to say, come Holy Spirit and just sit in his presence and pray in your hearts if you want to that the Holy Spirit would come. Come Holy Spirit.
Holy Spirit, thank you for the work that you're doing right now. Thank you for the ways that you are showing people that they can be free. Thank you for the ways that you are helping people turn away from what they don't need and helping them to turn to you. Yeah, thank you that you walk alongside us. Thank you that you help us and guide us and comfort us. And that you are the same. You are the same spirit that Jesus sent. Yeah, thank you for your work and thank you for your power. And keep speaking to us as we continue to worship you tonight. Amen.